to our first Seahawks preview. I'm Jen Mueller, the sideline reporter for the Seahawks, joined by John Boyle from Seahawks.com. And every week, we will get you ready for the Seahawks upcoming game. Kind of break down a little bit of what we saw, tell you what's going on inside the locker room, recap what Pete has told us about the game. And John... I'm so excited that we're finally talking about regular season football. It is fun. I mean, yeah, those preseason games have a purpose. They're important, but it's, you know, it's still preseason. They don't count in the standings. So when we get to week one where it's all, you know, ramped up a lot and, you know, we're going to see some some really exciting stuff out there. And I think it is very evident that the players are ready for week one. You and I were just down in the locker room and I was walking around and everybody that saw me is like, man, we are so ready for this. This is going to be so fun. And all you had to do was say, well, well why? Because we finally get to go out and do this for real. They yeah. are stoked. Well, for especially Sunday. the veterans. I mean, it's, you know, some of these young guys, those preseason games are really exciting because it's maybe the first time they've done it. But, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're Richard Sherman, you're Bobby Wagner, you're Cam Chancellor, you've, you've done that enough. You're ready for it to really matter. Yeah, Ataba Rubin is ready to tee off on that Miami Dolphins line, which we will get to in just a little bit. But first, let's kind of go over the roster construction for the Seahawks. I think there were several surprises when the Hawks announced their cutdowns. And when you look at the numbers in general, the number of rookies yeah. is outstanding for this team. It is. It's 15 rookies, including seven undrafted rookies, which is a pretty crazy number. I mean, this team, more than just about anyone is going to give those undrafted guys a real shot to make the roster, and we see a few of them every year. But seven is a is a crazy high number. So the fact that you know they're that young, and it's an interesting dynamic because on the other end of it, they're as veteran as they've ever been with a lot of these core guys who have been here. I mean, Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. This makes me feel old, but they're going into their seventh year here. You know, KJ Wright his sixth year, and you know the Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner class, their fifth year. So. They've got all these veterans who are as experienced as ever. You know, Doug Baldwin, six here, and then 15 rookies, which I, I think it was uh, Bob Condota of the Seattle Times will give him credit for this. Most rookies since the expansion year, 1976, very different circumstance. You know, that was an expansion team. This is a team with, you know, Super Bowl aspirations. So it's it'll be a really interesting team in terms of that dynamic of young and veteran. And that dynamic does make them the seventh youngest roster in the NFL, which I think is good long-term. And it's one of the things that Pete and John have been able to do. And because of Pete's philosophy of using those guys early on, and it's something that goes back to his days at USC, you always have kind of the right churn of players on the roster, which it's hard to look at those 15 rookies and think about five years from now. But essentially, but that's what they're when doing. When you're John Schneider, you have to be doing that. Right. You know, that's how you – how you stay good in this league is you have to be looking way ahead and you have to understand that as much as you might love every veteran starter on this team right now, both age and the salary cap means they're not going to be the same starters five years from now. So you need to always be preparing. So yeah, of these 15 rookies, you're maybe going to get five guys starting. If that over the course of a year, that's just off the top of my head, but some of those guys who don't play much now could be your Deshaun Shed types in a few years. The guy that works his way up. I mean, in his case, it was practice squad or Jermaine Curse, same thing, where, you know, they're a guy that nobody's really thinking about this year. They're in the periphery. 
three, four years from now, they can be huge parts of this team. Well, and Deshaun Shedd was cut at one point in time. As you yeah. mentioned, he was on practice squad. He is now one of the special teams captains, which is a really cool thing to see him grow into that role. Something that was interesting that Pete said today during his presser I thought was interesting. When you talk about the dynamic of the young and the veteran players, this only works if the veterans want to reach out and help the young guys yeah. as much as they do. Which I yeah. thought was interesting. And that's something we've – I mean, I think it goes on to varying degrees on every NFL team, but this is a really good locker room in terms of they all understand – the phrase you hear a lot out of the players is, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Um, if, if you've got a rookie who's playing an important role and people want to shun him because he's a rookie – that's going to hurt the team. So as much as Michael Bennett might joke about not liking rookies, these guys understand that the farther they help these young guys develop, the farther they're going to be playing into the postseason. So it's, you know, you've got some really good leadership emerging out of that group. And I think there were a few surprises in the rookies that they kept. And I just, I know for me in, in watching those preseason games, I loved the versatility of Tanner McElroy. I, I thought maybe he was, a little raw yeah and we heard that he is but there's talent there i thought he was a pleasant surprise on that front i don't know who else surprised you as far as yeah i mean maybe that may, along those lines deandre elliott yeah. a cornerback did some really good things but you just looked at the depth at corner and you figured um he'd have a tougher I, to me i looked at him and thought he's a great practice squad guy they love his size his speed but we've seen it cornerbacks here sometimes take a little time to come along so Thought maybe that's a developmental guy, but he showed them enough. And both him and McAvoy, a lot of it, too, is them showing that they can help on special teams. I mean, Tanner McAvoy is a guy that played safety in college at time. He played quarterback, too. He played receiver. He played all over. But with McAvoy, he played safety even in OTAs and minicamp here before they moved to receiver. And then at the end of the preseason, he shows them he can play a little tight end, too, which with – uh, Nick Vanette nicked up and probably not going to play. Jimmy Graham's status is still somewhat up in the air. If you've got a guy who can play, you know, will give you re depth at receiver at tight end and special teams, that's a pretty valuable piece. Well, and, you know, let's go one step further. And I know that this is a total stretch, but what happens if you happen to need a third quarterback at some point hey, in time? You, you happen to have somebody who's at least taken some snaps and is familiar with that position. So I don't know. That <laughs> let's might hope be we never find out. No, and that might be a reach on my part. But as you take a look at what the depth chart looks like, and uh, you've got it in front of you, I think, over there. I took a look at it last night in this morning. And I know that folks are a little concerned about having Kristen. I shouldn't say concerned. Is concern the right word to use there? No, I think maybe maybe surprise just because of what Thomas Rawls did last year. Right. So if you haven't had a chance to look at the depth chart and you're listening along with us, they've got Kristen Michael listed as the number one running back, and they've got Thomas Rawls listed as the backup, which – I think that goes more on the preseason carries that we saw and the injury that Thomas has come. Yeah, I mean, of. Pete Carroll talked about this earlier in his pod or his uh, press conference, and he said, you know, this is his second preseason game. He carried the ball twice in Oakland. So, as much as they think Thomas Rawls is going to be a huge part of this offense, as much as they love what he did last year, you can't ask a guy to go from two carries last week to twenty-five this week. So, you need somebody who's got more mileage under, you know, on his tires at this time of year, who's ready to go. And then Pete Carroll got into this quite a bit. You know, he does not necessarily need one guy to be, I know fantasy football players are going to hate this, but he doesn't need one guy to be a 20 carry back, 20 carry a game back all year. I mean, that's, that's who Marshawn Lynch is. He's one of the greats to ever play that position. So you feed him the ball 20 times a game and he's great at it, but Go back to USC. Pete Carroll mentioned this too. You know, some of their best teams, whether it was Bush and White, you know, they they kind of had that, as he called it, a one-two punch with Rawls and Michael. So 
I, you know, I think we could see all year long where those guys, maybe they ride the hot hand or they're splitting carries just depending on game to game. And that's exactly what Pete said. It wasn't about playing favorites at USC. It was about riding whoever's hot and giving him more carries. And we talked about that early in training camp. And I went back and I looked at the numbers. And more often than not, you had guys who were getting immense number of carries. And they were almost even at the end of the year. There was no primary back. And I remember at USC it was called Thunder and Lightning. Doug Baldwin actually called Thomas Rawls and Kristen Michael the thunder and lightning combination. Thomas Rawls with the thunder, Michael with the one cut and go kind of lightning. So I think for folks that are looking at the depth chart, there is no reason to worry. You are going to see plenty of those guys. And apparently CJ Procise has shown enough that he is going to be slid in immediately as that third down back. Yeah, I mean, that's everything we've seen and heard is he's going to be that guy. Fortunately, both for him and the team, he got back healthy. That hamstring injury cost him a lot of time, but showed them enough in two preseason games and more importantly in all the practice he's had over the last two weeks that he's going to step in. And that that's a really important role. We see it, you know, when they go up tempo, that guy's in there. You know, for, for fans kind of trying to picture it, it's kind of think of what Fred Jackson was last year, only you plug in a, you know, a younger, more explosive athlete. Fred Jackson, by the time he was here, was not quite in his prime. So you might be able to get more out of that role, maybe not the veteran savvy, but just in terms of the athlete, the explosiveness, the playmaking. I mean, this guy was a receiver for a good chunk of his college career. So they're really excited about what he can do. So. Running back is set. I I think everybody agrees that the wide receivers are set with your primary targets. Russell Wilson knows what he's doing. And then there's a lot of talk about the offensive line. And when you take a look at Miami and specifically their defensive line, they've got some monsters in there. And Indomitian and Sue um, has led all defensive tackles since 2010 with 44 stuffs behind the line of scrimmage. And by comparison, because Brandon Meebane would be kind of the, the closest comp that people in Seattle would know, had just 29 and a half during that same time frame. Now, you were asking Meebane to do something very different than you were asking Indomitian and Sue, but what kind of test is the offensive line going to get this week? Well, a big one. I mean, that's there's a lot of talent. I mean, it's not just Indomitian and Sue. They've got a bunch of really good players on that defensive front that you know, talent-wise, Adam Gase was saying they're still kind of piecing it together because some guys were out during the preseason. But just talent-wise, that's probably the best position group they have. So it's going to be a really – I mean, this offensive line, the Seahawks are very excited about it. They they really like what they've seen so far. But all of that being said, they've never played a regular season game together. You've got Mark Lewinsky with one start. You've got Jermaine Effendi as a rookie, Justin Britt starting his first game at center. So it's – you know, it's going to be uh, the positive, I guess you can take of it is we're going to find out really quickly how far along they are. Yeah. Um, but, you know, <laughs> kind of the, the worst case, I guess, is you go back and you picture J.R. Sweezy making his first start against uh, an in his prime Darnell Dockett. And that, that was a little rough. But, that you know, was... this is probably going to be a little softer of a landing than that, because at least these guys have all played the position, unlike J.R. Sweezy. Well, and, you know, Miami is still figuring out some things on their side, too. Mario Williams is coming over. He's new to their system. And Cameron Wake is coming off of an Achilles injury. At 34 years old, he is the oldest non-specialist on the Miami roster. And while he used to be kind of the every-down guy and the every-down end, they're transitioning him into just a – pass rushing specialist because they want to keep him on the field. He's coming off of injury. So I'm curious too on their side, what that chemistry ends up really looking like. And for as talented as Sue is, 
has known to freelance a little too much for his team's liking across that defensive front and not always worked in tandem with his other uh, line mates, let's say. So we'll just kind of see how that all plays out. John, while you've got that um, depth chart in front of you, I'm curious. I, I just spent a little time looking at this. When you've got the offensive line, who do they have listed? They've got Reese Odiambo as both the backup guards. at both guards, yes. and then the backup center is Joey Hunt, yes. right? and then web at both tackles. So I'm curious, do you think this impacts the actives and inactives every week? Because last few years, the Seahawks have had one guy that can play at least three of those spots, right? Both guards and, and backup center. Does this mean the Seahawks are going to have to keep an extra lineman active? It could. And we'll, you know, we'll see kind of how, how they decide to play it. I mean, these depth charts obviously are unofficial and theoretically you could I mean, we've seen Odiombo play some tackles, tackle, so maybe you could roll that way if you really want to. But, yeah, I mean, they might have to have eight guys up on game day, which, you know, sometimes you try to get away with seven if you have a swing guy in the center, and that, that can work for you. So we'll, we'll see how they play it. Um, early in the season, it's less of an issue because you're healthy. I mean, by the time we get to later in the year, you're just kind of trying to get 40 40- – six right. healthy guys out there. So um, it does, you know, it, it is a nice luxury to have when you have that guy that plays every position. They can really swing. Like they've yeah, had with Alvin on, Bailey. Well, yeah, and, and you're going to be taking away from another position, presumably a special teamer that could help you out if you've got to keep the extra offensive lineman healthy. Let's flip over to the Seahawks defense versus the Miami offense. Ryan Tannehill has – been sacked a league high 184 times since 2012, but he has not missed a start. Here's the thing that I'm really looking at is that Mike Pouncey suffered a hip injury during their preseason game against Denver. Pouncey being a really solid center. If he cannot play, which he has not been able to practice yet for Miami, I have not seen their practice report today, but have not been able to practice. Anthony Steed, a former college guard, is going to make his first start at center I think this is why Ataba Rubin was licking his chops already in the locker room, John. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, it, Pouncey's a great player. Adam Gase said to get today that they're, you know, they don't know yet. They're going to try to see if he can run later in the week when they, they're flying out Thursday. So they're going to kind of evaluate more when they get here. But yeah, I mean, just as we're talking about this inexperienced Seahawks line getting a big test. You know, if you get you mentioned Ruben, but imagine how Mike Bennett and is an interior pass rusher and nickel might be looking at that situation, too. So, yeah, I mean, we've we've seen it with, you know, maybe San Francisco last year in experience line where they kind of just get going. And it's pass rushers entry where once they get going, they start feeling it. I mean, we saw it last year. They were kind of arguing over who got to line up in certain spots in San Francisco because Cliff and Mike Bennett were both having so much success there. So I think both of these ga- both sides of the ball, at least on paper, favors the defensive line. So it'll be curious to see. I mean, maybe it's whichever the offensive lines kind of holds its own is what makes a difference. Well, and it could come down to a lot of home field advantage on this one too because not only is Steed potentially your center, but – You've got Laramie Tunsil, their first-round draft pick, is going to be starting at tackle. And you've got a 12 fan base that uh, is going to be relentless. And they've already talked about it. The Dolphins, uh, they've got to be on point with communication and simplify things. No chance the crowd is going to give them any shot on Sunday. No, I mean, home opener. We haven't had a lot of home openers here lately. So uh, it's – yeah, I mean, that, that could easily be a, a difference maker in terms of how – their offensive line functions versus how the Seahawks offensive line functions. Cause they're going to be out there. It's going to be nice and quiet and they can hear Russell Wilson, which always helps. So uh, 
yeah, you know, especially with the rookies you mentioned, Tunsil. I mean, we've seen a lot of linemen and young quarterbacks come in here with the noise and struggle, and uh, I'm sure the, the Seahawks fans would love to cause that a little bit on Sunday. Yeah, I like, too, that the offensive coordinator for Miami has already said, yeah, Tunsil's going to make a mistake. His biggest challenge is figuring out how to move on and not letting that snowball on him because y you can't help but do that in your first pre in your first excuse me NFL game. Have we seen enough from the Seahawks defense to feel good about where they are in the secondary and with the linebackers? Yes and no. I don't necessarily know that you can say we've seen enough if we're just talking off the preseason games because they didn't play a ton. They were really vanilla, so maybe they got beat by some things that they wouldn't. Their pass rush wasn't what it probably will be in the season. We didn't see a lot of Michael Bennett, so. No, not based off the preseason games, but based on what we're seeing in practice and based on what we know about these guys and what they are when they're full strength, fully motivated, full go. I, I have very few concerns about this defense. I mean, go back to last year. We were just talking to Pete Carroll about this. Earl Thomas was barely back to full speed at this time. He didn't play in the preseason. He barely practiced until the last couple of weeks. Cam Chancellor wasn't here. Earl Tom, or Richard Sherman was practicing, but he was still dealing a little bit with that elbow injury. And now you've got everybody back from last year. I mean, you look at how this defense finished the season when they had Lane and Shed both in there, all those guys back. I just, I feel really good about where this defense is regardless of what we saw. Yeah. It is going to be a fun day on Sunday. I'm just excited that it is week one. Everything counts for real. I don't know. Any other big storyline you're looking at before we wrap up? Boy, you know, I, I just threw that one you at did. you. I, I, I'm you, sorry. No, I that's was... okay. I got, I, I got one for you. Okay. I want to, I want to see the offense and the passing game pick up where it left off because that was such a great thing to see last year from you know midseason on the way Russell Wilson and all those guys got going. And if they can do what they did last year, it alleviates so many concerns about the line because they're getting the ball out so quickly. And the line did get better. Don't get me wrong, but the line didn't suddenly go from terrible pass protection to great pass protection overnight. It was that the passing game got in rhythm, got better and helped those guys. So if we see Russell Wilson and his targets pick up where they left off, I think this team could be really something special. Yeah. I'd like to see uh, a uh, sack for loss or, or some sort of tackle for loss in the first series by the there defense. How about, to help how about a Cliff Averill strip sack and fumble and just everybody goes wild? Would that, would that work for you? That would work for me. And then you could write about it on Seahawks.com, which is where you can keep up with everything Seahawks related. Make sure that you tune in on Sunday to the Seahawks Radio Network. I will be on the call along with Steve Rabel and Warren Moon, and we will see you back here next week after the Seahawks Week 1 matchup against the Miami Dolphins.